today on Ag News Daily. When livestock does sell through the site, so you don't have to wait to get a check from us because you've sold it um, or anything like that. We don't charge commissions. It's just a fast way that we really provide the platform and then we kind of stay out of it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thursday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, what do you know today? Well, Delaney, there's not much that I know other than it takes a heck of a long time to get from Lubbock to Anna, Texas. I traveled back to my parents' house for a quick visit this weekend. Going to watch my younger sister show next week. She's actually showing at the Alternative, which we will be talking about tomorrow. So folks, be sure to tune in for that special Friday episode. But in the meantime, Delaney, we've got to talk about some things today. What do you say we kick things off talking about some news? Absolutely. Let's do that. And Ashton, here's a piece of news I think a lot of farmers are going to want to know about. So I'm going to kick it off with this. As of Wednesday night, the USDA has reported that they are freezing the $2.3 billion for the CFAP payments. They're temporarily frozen. We don't know when that freeze is going to be released. But earlier this week, President Biden signed an executive order that put CFAP and other programs on hold, saying that in the coming days, he and the USDA needed to sit down and figure out the next steps or additional steps to bring relief and support all parts of the food and agricultural sectors during the pandemic, including and ensuring that uh, producers have access to capital, risk management tools, disaster assistance, and other federal resources. So other than that, I don't have a whole lot of clarity about what this is or why he's really doing it other than to quote-unquote reevaluate. Delaney, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. I was planning on sharing this news as well. And I just want to add a little bit to that. Senate Agriculture Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stavnow says that she supports the Biden's administration to move to freeze those payments under CFAP in order to review the rules put in place in the last few days of the Trump administration. She says that the legislation creating the CFAP programs calls for specific assistance, which was never giving out. And Stav now wants those programs to be addressed within the remaining dollars. But it's just something that we're going to have to wait and see. Like you said, we don't know as of yet when they're going to be unfrozen, but hopefully it doesn't take too much time for the administration to kind of go through and reevaluate. Yeah, absolutely. But I know a few people have already reached out and said, hey, what's going on? Why did this get frozen? I don't really know. That's all the clarity that I have right now. But one thing I do know is a few more soybeans are being purchased by the Chinese. They made another large purchase commitment for U.S. corn this week. I'm sorry, not soybeans, but they snapped up another 1.7 million metric tons of delivery for delivery during the 2020-2021 marketing year to be used as largely hog and swine feed. But this is not to be overshadowed by an expected battle for beans between soybean exporters and processors as the year progresses. We are, or could see, I should say, a battle pursuing on suing between these to industries. At least one processor in the Midwest has already reserved its soybean needs through May because a lot of people are speculating we're going to be short on soybeans this year, uh, not only domestically, but globally as well. 
Meanwhile, we're watching other processors have their soybeans needs preserved for about the next 60 days compared to the usual 30 to 40 days. And so we're seeing an abnormal disclosure of purchases by soybean crushers revealing the commercials are revealing that there is a deep concern about soybean shortages. And, you know, I think I reported on this. If I didn't, I apologize. But I think I mentioned the other day the polar vortex that, you know, we've been getting some cold air here across the northern hemisphere. That could absolutely have long-term consequences for the United States. And meteorologists are now pointing to perhaps another spring, wet spring year, like we saw in 2019 when we had widespread floods and weather events. So I guess needless to say, we're lining up here for quite a few fundamental factors, weather related that could make short supplies of both corn, but more specifically of soybeans when you couple in uh, poor South American weather. Well, Delaney, I'm glad that you brought up weather and I want to kick things over to talking about South African weather. The South African Weather Service said earlier today that extensive damage to crops and waterlogged farmlands will likely lead to significantly impaired agricultural output in parts of the Free State and Northern Cape provinces after they experienced heavy rains. Numerous severe weather-related impacts have been reported over the western parts of the Free State and over the northeastern parts of the Northern Cape over the last 48 hours. And the affected provinces are maize-growing areas, so we might have to keep an eye out on what this really does for the corn markets internationally. I know it's somewhere between about 10 to 12 million tons of corn are is produced in South Africa every year, I believe is what I read earlier, because I wanted just to make sure to see, you know, how much of a, a player that South Africa is in the corn markets, because I wasn't sure, but might just have to be something that we keep our eyes on. on. I'm not sure how this will affect the markets. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty small portion compared to what you see from the United States and uh, other countries, South America included. But you never know what market fundamental. I mean, I guess you add that to the news I just shared about potentially having some shortage issues elsewhere. Shortage issues like that, even in those small countries, could definitely play a role in the changing markets. But Ash, and I tell you another thing that's playing a role in changing markets is African swine fever numbers. China's hog herd is on track to reach pre-African swine fever numbers in 2021, but as I believe we've talked about on the podcast, the new strains that have been introduced into their hog system could cause them to potentially fall short of what was expected. So far, we've seen the hog herd make about a 90% recovery since before it was impacted in 2018, but unsure yet how we will deal or how they'll deal with the new strains. And I was reading something earlier today that said those strains actually were probably caused by vaccines that were not really approved on a mass scale, were not approved by the government, and yet folks were using these vaccines to try and save their hog herds and perhaps shouldn't have been because now it sounds like those are actually what caused some of these new strains to populate in Chinese hog herds. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is certainly interesting, Delaney. I didn't even think about, you know, these underground vaccines, which I believe we've talked about on the podcast before, and we weren't really sure, you know, how they would affect these hog herds. But we're seeing that kind of come to life now, and it's pretty concerning. 
We certainly are, Ashton. And I think you mentioned this before. These new strains are not um, terminal, not deadly like the original strain, but these new strains have been noted to be very chronic and affect piglet uh survivability as well as the ability to birth piglets so that's where the shortage will come into play it sounds like is that they just won't be physically producing and birthing as many hogs well delaney i want to kick things back to the biden administration for my last piece of news today it's quite a large circle that i just did but want to talk a little bit more about three executive orders that biden has signed I believe he's up to 21 executive orders that he has signed in his first few days as president. I'm not sure if that number is correct, but the last time I checked, it was 21 executive orders. But anyway, these three executive orders that I'm talking about today are to fast track climate friendly priorities. Biden says America has waited far too long to deal head on with the climate crisis and credited agriculture, not as a problem, but part of the solution. He was quoted as saying, we see farmers making American agriculture first in the world to achieve net zero emissions and gaining new sources of income in the process. And I want to parenthetically thank the Secretary of Agriculture for helping put together that program during the campaign. Biden says the shift has already begun toward electric vehicles in the U.S. and the huge federal government vehicle fleet will begin moving toward zero emissions. He added that the executive orders are the beginning of tackling the existential threat of climate change while creating millions of new jobs and ending big handouts to big oil. Biden says he will ask Congress to eliminate oil subsidies. And now this is a different story that I read this from. You know, that that story was from Brownfield Ag News. The, The story that I'm fixing to kind of tie in is from Reuters, but some oil companies really are not happy with what's going on with the Biden administration. So they're actually looking to kind of team up partner, I guess, with, you know, these ethanol and biofuels groups who used to be their, you know, kind of quote unquote enemies. They're, they're, what is the word I'm looking for Delaney? Oh my goodness. I can't think of the word. Uh, I'm blanking too. I, I'm, I'm blanking as well, but we'll just we'll just go with enemies for the day. But they're kind of looking out to team up with these groups to kind of go back against Biden and kind of counteract against, you know, taking away these oil subsidies. And I'm not exactly sure what it all means in the grand scheme, but just something we're going to have to keep our eyes eye out, eye out on because these biofuels, ethanol groups, like I believe it was National Corn Growers Association that I read earlier, and the um, Renewable Fuels Association, sorry, I'm, I'm blanking all across the board today, aren't really too keen on partnering up with, you know, big oil as, you know, in the past, they've been rivals. And so I just, I think it's an interesting dynamic. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And if these two groups are actually going to come together to be on one side. Yeah, absolutely, Ashton. You make some good points there. Well, Delaney, I'm all out of news for today. What about you? I think I am as well, other than talking markets. And to lead into today's market discussion, I wanted to make mention that corn prices have rose to risen to seven-year highs as we continue to see China step in and make some purchases. 
I reported earlier about the you know corn purchase we saw China step in to make today, or rather yesterday, but we saw corn futures dump, jump about 2.2%, highest since we've seen since 2013. And really across the board, you know, corn futures were mostly higher in the day. Unfortunately, they didn't finish that way, but soybeans were not... Uh, rewarded today and they actually closed lower on the day so kicking things off here in the march corn contract up just a half a cent to close at 534 and a half the may up a penny to close at 536 and a quarter soybeans today big losses as the march contract shed 21 and a half cents to close at 1353 the may down 21 and three quarters to close at 13.51 and a half. Wheat also pulled back today as the Chicago March contract closed down 11 and a quarter cent to close at 6.47 in the May, down 10 and a quarter to close at 6.47 and a half. And in livestock, mixed trade today as the February live cattle contract shed 45 cents to close at 116. The April up seven cents to close at 122.70. In feeder cattle, March contract down 27 and a half cents to close at 139.80. The April down 40 cents to close at 142. 67. And in lean hogs, again, mixed trade today is the February contract sheds 62 and a half cents, tickles at 69.95. The April up seven cents, tickles at 76.37. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. February up four cents today, tickles at 15.56. The March up just a penny, tickles at 16.66. Ashton, without further ado, remind us who we're talking to for today's interview. Today, we are talking to Mark Van Zee of LivestockMarket.com. Well, for today's podcast interview, we are talking to Mark Van Zee, who is the sales manager for Livestock Market. Mark, thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Good to be here. Now, Mark, before we get into the nitty gritty of livestock market, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about what you do within the industry? Well, what we do within the industry, uh, specifically with livestock market, is we're a platform focused on private treaty sales of all kinds of livestock Um Cattle uh, are a huge portion of, of our business, but we're, we're you know big into swine, sheep, goats, and the equine sector as well, um, as well as hay and forage. Um, and what we really focus on is, is trying to create a fast and easy solution um, for people that want to sell those you know those animals or or that hay you know private party um, from one to another, and, and we try and enable them and give them a method to do that quickly through our website. But Mark, I want to bring things a little bit wider scope here first, because you guys have livestockmarket.com as part of what you touch, but Sandhills has quite a few other entities that do various things digitally in the ag sector. Will you talk just briefly about those for us as well? Yeah, absolutely. So Sandhills Publishing, that is the same company that brought you Tractor House um, and Auction Time. Um, We have many, many, many other subsidiaries, um, machinery trader for construction equipment, truck paper for over-the-road trucks and trailers um, that, you know, a lot of people within the ag industries are familiar with. Um, And it's something that the company's always been focused on in in one form or another is bringing buyers and sellers together. That's that's really what we do. So Mark, y'all just launched livestockmarket.com not too long ago. And I kind of want to know what the idea was behind the website because 
There are quite a few websites or platforms out there where folks are able to, you know, go on and and sell and do auctions and that kind of stuff. So what was the idea on why you guys wanted to launch this website specifically? Well, there was a couple main points that we wanted to hit on and things that we thought that, that we could could bring to that space of livestock sales in general. Um, and number one being, if you look at the market as a whole, it's 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 already broken down into very deep like sub niches. Um, these other websites that you're talking about, you know, you obviously have specific websites just for show pigs and commercial cattle and sheep and all these things. So one thing that we thought we could bring the table is a universal platform where we can have, you know, everything is searchable and broken out, but we wanted to be able to bring all things livestock under one roof and give buyers an easy way to switch between sheep, hogs, show stock, registered seed stock, commercial stock, um, all that stuff and be able to do it on, on one platform. And we've had awesome feedback from the industry on that. They, they really, really like that. Um, the other thing that we wanted to do is we really wanted to put the power into the producer's hands and make it really easy easy for them to sell. Um, and by that, what, what I mean is, you know, we, we are not an auction company. We're, we're simply a web platform. Um, so users can go out and they can take pictures of their cattle um, or hogs or whatever they have. They can take their pictures. They can take their videos. They can go onto the website and within about five minutes, they can create their own listing post them up there. And so it's something that's fast and that somebody can do on the farm or on the ranch without having to bring in a third party. You know, you don't have, you don't have to get it, anybody out there to take the videos for you. Um, we don't get involved in the transaction um, when, when livestock does sell through the site. So you don't have to wait to get a check from us because you've sold it um, or anything like that. We don't charge commissions. It's just a fast way that we really provide the platform and then we kind of stay out of it. And so we, we really saw an opportunity to bring efficiency in um, and kind of put the power back in the producer's hands and, and let them operate really quickly that way. Mark, I have so many questions after you mentioning all of that. Um, so I'll try and throw them at you slowly, but I am just very interested in this platform. I mean, I think, you know, with the age of technology and social media, it seems like finding somebody to buy some very specific livestock need would be easy, but yet there's not really been one place to do that. So I'm excited you guys are launching this or have this going. But one of the questions I have here, looking through some of the livestock listings that are for sale, you know, I'm looking at the cattle side of things, the hog side of things. It looks like a lot of these are smaller purchases or smaller lot sizes for sale. I mean, 19 purebreds here, 17 there. Uh, Was the idea to make this kind of a niche market for, you know, purebred type of livestock? Or is that just really how the cookies crumbled so far? Well, it certainly wasn't that we set out to create it for like smaller type sale lots like that. Um, the site's built to accommodate everything. But as we're really early into this stages, that is the very first type of, of producer that we attracted to the site. And that's with good reason, right? Because one of the other uh, needs, I'll say, that's out there or when you do get out to visit with producers is one of the one of the things that they don't like about some of the other platforms and way that they can sell this stuff now is they say, well, I have to have a full-blown load lot of cattle to make mm-hmm. this worth it. 
mm-hmm. and I don't have that. And so there, there, it's kind of these guys that are stuck in the middle that feel like they don't have a place to successfully market those animals. Um, so no, it doesn't surprise me that those are the first folks that have found us and wanted to market that way. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, a little bit of it's about giving the smaller producer a voice and giving them equal space on the stage next to the big ones. Yeah. And I think I was literally just this morning having a phone call with my cattle order buyer. So I'm very interested to learn more about this. Um, for some of those folks that do eventually want to do larger lots, maybe they're an order buyer, they work for a sale barn or a you know, feed yard, et cetera, and they're trying to find customers, how do they go about using this platform on both the customer side as me selling my livestock, but also the customer as an, I'm going to buy livestock from you. You mentioned you guys aren't dealing with any of the money, but how does this transaction work through the platform? Absolutely. So I guess we'll start with the selling side. Um, if anybody has anything that they want to sell, um, my favorite part about this whole thing is right now it's entirely free. We, we are literally generating no revenue in any way. And you can thank Tractor House and Auction Time for that because they, they, they helped put us where we are. Um, so if you have livestock to sell, um, you can get it posted onto the website in a number of ways. You can get right on the homepage, livestockmarket.com. In the upper left-hand corner, there's a big link right there that says, click here to sell my livestock. You can click on that. If you're already a Tractor House or Auction Time user, your username and password from those other sites will work on this one. Um, so your account's already created. You simply fill out the drop-down menus. You know, what do we have here? Well, we have cattle. What kind of cattle? Registered seed stock, commercial beef. What do you want to call it? Okay, commercial cattle. Fill it out. Submit the listing. That'll come in here to us. We review it. We give you a call back just to make sure that everything looks good. And we'll post it for you. Um, if you're a large seller and you've got... Uh, you, you have a lot of different listings that you want to create. I would probably recommend calling in here to the office and we can set you up with an account that'll enable you to create unlimited listings really, really quickly on the site. Um, telephone number here should have that in front of me. Um, telephone number if they need to reach us is 844-775-4762. Um, so that's kind of the two ways that we can can get livestock onto the site for those people that want to sell. Um, for those people that want to buy, uh, just like you you did this morning, you just get onto the site. It's really, really uh, user-friendly and easy to use. Um, go on there, select the type of livestock right off the homepage that you're interested in, swine, sheep, goats, hay, whatever you have. Um, jump right in there and you'll start seeing um, listings immediately when you get on there. On the left-hand side is various drop-down menus. And as we continue to develop, that, will, that search capability will become more and more robust. So a user can go in there and narrow the search down because obviously if you're on there to buy cattle, you probably have a specific type of cattle that you're kind of hunting at least i know you know if you're on there to buy bread heifers we want to be able to sort to bread heifers really quickly if we want to look at purebred registered angus bread heifers you can toggle and, and make sure that you're pulling up those listings really quickly once you do and you find something that you're interested in click on the listing read the details if you're interested in purchasing the cattle the seller's name and phone number is right there so you can give them a phone call 
and just complete it like you would any private party transaction, especially anybody that's ever you know bought cattle privately. Um, if you've got questions on there, there's a link where you can email them, get more questions, um, that kind of stuff. And then in, in terms of the transaction, that strictly is between the buyer and the seller. Um, so obviously that, that usually amounts to, you know, certified funds or, or you know, a, a check that's sent that way or a wire transfer um, or what other producers have traditionally done, whether they're going to come pick the cattle up themselves or send trucks or, or whatever they've got planned. Awesome. Yeah. The website is super easy. I've been, you know, puddling through it here as we've been on this call, but you know, I have one other question for you and I think Ashton does as well. Uh, My final question, Mark is, you know, you mentioned you guys aren't making money off of this. This is just an extension of the Sandhills publishing, you know, auction time and whatnot. Why do this if you guys aren't making any money or what's the angle for you guys? Well, we've, we've been out there for two weeks. Uh, I keep joking as I'm visiting with producers and they all say the same thing. Oh, well, how come you're not charging me to sell cattle on there? And I, I said, look, we're, we're in our family and friends portion of, of <laughs> rolling this new website out, right? It, eventually we'll get to a, a model of functioning just like Tractor House is uh, where you pay a small fee to create a listing. That's all that it'll be. Um, but we're just not there yet. Um, so that, that's that, that's kind of the the route that it, that it will go down someday. But um, I've been around uh, with Sandhills for a really long time. In fact, I was here when we started Tractor House. I was one of the first people that started working on that project. Um, and and uh, gosh, that was 16 years ago. But all of TractorHouse.com was completely free for a really really long time. Um, just to build awareness, let people try it out, let people have success on it. And that's what we want. We want producers and cattlemen on there having success, getting stuff sold, getting to know the site, being familiar with it so that someday down the road when we want to say, okay, it's whatever, it's 20 bucks to post an ad or something like that, you know, people have a reference and, and feel like, yeah, I've tried this before and it's, it's absolutely, you know, worth that to advertise my, my animals on here. Well, Mark, it has certainly been interesting to learn about the kind of behind the scenes of livestockmarket.com. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. But for our listeners who want to connect with you guys, where can they do that? I know you mentioned a phone number earlier. And of course, we've been talking about the website, but maybe throw out that number once again and where you guys are at on social media. Absolutely. So the website is just livestockmarket.com. Telephone number here is 844-775-4762. And they can follow us on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash livestock market. I'm not really sure what our Twitter handle is. I'm uh, not really on the social media type. (laughs) But I know that we're out there on Twitter. I know that we're out there on Instagram. um, And so they can find us there as well. Awesome. Well, Mark, thanks again for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks again there to Mark for coming on and talking to us about livestockmarket.com. There's a lot of great resources out there. And this one is just another one to add to kind of your list, I suppose, when you're looking to sell online, I think, especially in COVID times when you're not really able to go to the sale barn, it's probably as much as you would like to. But um, yeah, super interesting and glad that Mark was able to come on today. So am I. I thought it was very timely 
I'm interested to check things out on there a little bit further from a buyer's perspective. So I hope other people are too. Absolutely, Delaney. But folks, in the meantime, if you are not scrolling on livestockmarket.com, hopefully you're scrolling on agnewsdaily.com and listening to some of our past episodes. You can also scroll on social media and find us at agnewsdaily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.